If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Jesus' earthly ministry didn't end with his death or even with his resurrection, but 40 days later when he ascended into heaven. What does that mean for us? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the exciting parallels between how Jesus left this earth and how he will one day return. Listen as David introduces today's special Easter week message, The Ascension of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a wonderful time for us to prepare our hearts for Easter. Uh, Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to, for one day or two days, just skip over the resurrection so we can return to it on Good Friday. And we'll do that. In between, we're going to talk about the ascension, one of the most neglected parts of the Passion narrative is our Lord's return to heaven after his sojourn on earth for 40 days. What does the ascension mean? How can we learn from it? I'm reminded of standing on the southern steps in Israel and looking out to the Garden of Gethsemane and over to the mountain and knowing that one day Jesus ascended from that mountain and he'll come back again, the Bible says, in the same manner as you saw him go. And what does the ascension mean? Why did Jesus go back to heaven? What does that mean to you and to me? We're going to find that out today and tomorrow here on Turning Point. One last time, I want to remind you that our resource for the month of March is the book on hope. It's called Hope, uh, Living in a Scary World with Hope. Have you ever thought about that? Well, we're there. We're in the scary world, aren't we? But hope is available. And we want you to have this book as a resource to encourage you to keep your hope in God Ask for the book when you send your gift to Turning Point today. This is the very last day. This offer will be available. It goes away tomorrow. We'll begin a new month with a new resource. But you can still make your request for the book on Hope today by sending a gift of any size to Turning Point. Be sure to do it. Don't forget to do it. We'll be anxious to uh, receive your request uh, today. Now, our hearts are open toward this subject because we love the Lord Jesus We want to know everything about him that we can, understand everything he did and is doing. So let's begin this discussion. Many of the liturgical churches have a Sunday in their calendar called Ascension Sunday. I think it would be a good thing if we reinstituted that into the calendar of all churches. Because if I were to take a survey today and ask you how many of you have ever heard a message on the ascension of Jesus Christ, I would imagine that most of you would not be able to raise your hand. I did a little survey this week among some of my friends, and I could find hardly anyone who had ever heard a message on the ascension of Jesus Christ. We get through the crucifixion and the resurrection and the post-resurrection appearances, and then it's like... We don't pay any attention to what happens next. But I want to promise you something today, and I hope you will understand I don't do this very often. If you will stay engaged in this sermon 
and follow through the logic that is here, you will come away from today encouraged about what God has done for you and what he is doing for you right now. Read with me from the book of Acts and the first chapter, verses 9 through 11. All right, let's read out loud. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now for 40 days the disciples had been the recipients of the manifestations of the risen Christ. Eleven times Jesus made himself known to his disciples. The scripture uses an interesting term to describe how he did it. The scripture says he showed himself to them. It was a purposeful manifestation on the part of Jesus so that his disciples would definitely see him and know who he was. It was this certain knowledge of the resurrected Christ. It was the absolute confidence that the disciples had that he had indeed come out of the grave victorious over death. It was that knowledge that propelled the disciples into the world-changing evangelistic methods that really have not been equaled since the early church. The resurrection of Christ was a powerful dynamic in the early church. But now the 40 days are over and it's time for our Lord to return to his Father in heaven. How shall that exit from this earth and entrance into heaven be made? He could not simply disappear or make himself invisible as he did on the day when he was talking to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember they were walking along and then all of a sudden he was gone. It was important for Jesus to end his earthly ministry in such a way that his disciples would understand that he would not be back again as he had been with them during his earthly journey. That he was going back to heaven and that it would be totally different for them from this moment on. And so Jesus ascended to heaven, not under the cover of night, but right during the day. And the scripture says it was while they beheld him, while they saw him. The spectacular method of his departure from the earth and the spectacular entrance into heaven was consistent with the miraculous life of the Lord Jesus. By the way, if Enoch could do it, and Elijah could do it, why shouldn't Jesus do it? Now the ascension of Jesus Christ is only described three times in the New Testament, the actual event itself. Luke describes it twice, once in his gospel and once that we have read here in the book of Acts, and then in the last chapter of Mark, which is sometimes a disputed passage, in the 16th chapter of Mark, Mark describes it as well. Listen to what Luke says about the ascension in his gospel in Luke 24. And Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them 
and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Mark adds this. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, while these are the only three references to the ascension describing it, 11 other books in the New Testament mention it, though they don't describe it, they mention it. And when Paul was writing to Timothy, and you probably remember that in 1 Timothy, in the third chapter, Paul included a little hymn in his letter. And in that hymn, he mentions the ascension. It goes like this, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. There's the ascension. Now, the reality of the ascension is given to us here in this ninth verse of Acts chapter 1. It says, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. In the Old Testament, there are a number of places where this is anticipated. I'll just give you one illustration from Psalm 68, where the psalmist in a messianic psalm says, you have ascended up on high. This particular event was also predicted by Jesus Christ. It's interesting that the disciples saw Jesus leaving them and they were astonished, but they shouldn't have been because all throughout his ministry, the Lord Jesus had been telling them, this day is going to happen. This is going to come. And if you go through the gospels, you will see that not once, but several times, Jesus alerted his disciples to the fact that one day he would be taken away from them. John 7, 33 and 34 says, And Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little longer, and then I go to him who sent me, and you will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The disciples should have known this was going to happen because it had been predicted by the Lord. But they're kind of like us. We hear things that we don't hear. How many of you know what I'm saying? Oh, he surely couldn't mean that. This must have some spiritual interpretation. But Jesus meant exactly what he was saying, that one day he was going to ascend and they would not have him here any longer. Now, the third thing I want you to notice about the experience of this ascension is that it was proven. It actually did happen. For instance, after the resurrection, how would you have known that Jesus came back from the grave? The only way you would know that is if people saw him in his resurrection body walking around. And that happened a great deal. Well, there are at least two post-ascension appearances of Jesus. Did you know that? On one occasion in the New Testament, because of his commitment to Jesus Christ and preaching the resurrection, Stephen was martyred. He was stoned. He was killed. And in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, it says this about Stephen. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Did Jesus make it back to heaven? Yes, he did. Stephen saw him after he got there. Isn't it interesting that every other place that I know of where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he is seated. But watch. 
when he welcomes a martyr home, he stands up. And throughout the rest of the New Testament, I believe that's what happens. When Jesus welcomes home someone who gives up their life in testimony to their faith in him, this would lead us to believe that they stand up. Jesus stands up to receive them into heaven. So Stephen saw Jesus after he ascended. But did you know John saw him too? In the book of Revelation, John is seeing a vision in heaven. And in chapter 5 and verse 6 we read, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Who is the lamb, class? It is the Lord Jesus. When John looked up through the open door of heaven, he saw Jesus in heaven. So let me make this report. When Jesus left earth to go to heaven, he arrived. He arrived. He's there. He made it all the way. The reassurance of the ascension. Notice, Jesus did not want his disciples to be discouraged when he left them. Can you imagine having walked with Jesus and then he dies? And for three days you don't know for sure what's going to happen. Then he comes back from the grave. And then he comes into your meetings and you see that this is really him. The scars in his hand and in his side. He's back. And for 40 days you're reveling in the truth that he's back. And now all of a sudden he's leaving. And Jesus is going to be taken from them again. And the Bible says that Almighty God didn't want them to be discouraged. So he dispatched two angels to come and speak to them. Now, it's interesting in the Bible that the angels always show up at important events. Did you know that? Especially in the life of Jesus. When Jesus was born, the angels were there. When he was tempted, the angels were there. During his death and his crucifixion, the angels were there. At his burial and resurrection, it were the angels who were the ones who said, he is not here, he is risen. And now here we are at the ascension. Guess what? The angels showed up again. Which leads me to believe this is not an incident. This is an important event. And the angels began to speak to the disciples who had just seen their Savior Go up out of their midst into heaven. I would like to have been there to have seen that. They're talking with him. They're fellowshipping with him. He has given them a message. And all of a sudden, he's gone. The two men dressed in white, who were the angels, gave a message. And the message was this. Men of Galilee, why is your mouth open and you're looking up into heaven? Why are you gazing up into heaven? Listen. This same Jesus who was taken from you shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. This isn't final. This isn't the last. This isn't the only thing that's going to happen. Because just as he went up, one day he's going to come down. Hallelujah. Now listen. If you go through the doctrine of the ascension, you will learn a great deal about the return of Christ. Because notice it says here, in the same manner that he went, he's going to come back. How did he go? Well, first of all, his going was personal, and so his coming will be personal. It says over in 1 Thessalonians, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. 
You say, Dr. Jeremiah, why is that important? It's important because there are many today who want to spiritualize all the truth about Jesus. You know what they say? They say, well, yeah, Jesus went to heaven. It was sort of a spiritual thing. You know, he just sort of spiritually went. And he's probably going to come back too, and I bet it'll be spiritual when he comes back. Well, it's spiritual, all right, but it's physical. The Bible says, while he was with them, as they watched him, he disappeared from their view. The real Jesus, the personal Jesus, went up, and we have every reason to believe that the personal Jesus is going to come back. Then it says... And we learned that his going was physical, and so his coming will be physical. It says here that when Jesus comes back, he is going to be in a body. Just as he went up in his glorified body, he's coming back in his glorified body. And so we should expect a very physical return. It will be visible. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. It's going to be In the clouds, just as he was taken out of this earth in the clouds, it says in Revelation 1-7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And then he went up from Mount Olivet, and when he comes back on the second advent, he's coming back to Mount Olivet. He went away, and he's coming back. And the way he went away is a clue to us as to how he's going to return. Now, There's much more that we could say about that, but let's go on. We've talked about the reality of the ascension and the reassurance of it. Let's talk now as we bring all of this together about our Lord's going back to heaven. Let's talk about the result of it. What is different now because Jesus is in heaven and not on this earth? What's different? Well, first, let's talk about what's different for the Lord Jesus. Let's talk about what's different for him. Well, let me suggest to you that the difference for the Lord Jesus now is his ascension has ended his redemptive work on this earth. When Jesus went back to heaven, it was a signal. It was a sign that he had done everything that needed to be done while he was here. It's finished. When he hung upon the cross, that was one of his last seven words. It is finished. And it was. There is not anything Jesus needs to do for you or me or anyone else that he has not already done. It is finished. Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 1. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. When he was all done, when he had completed it all, when every last drop of blood had been shed that was necessary to make everyone forgivable, Jesus went back to heaven and he sat down. Annie Johnson Flint was a poet during the days that I was growing up and she was my mother's favorite poet. My mother collected all of her poems out of everything she could find, and she pasted them in a little scrapbook, and she gave them to me. I still have them. Annie Johnson Flint was not only a wonderful poet, but she was a great theologian, and she actually wrote a little poem about what we're talking about, and here's how it goes. If the Christ who died had stopped at the cross, his work would have been incomplete. If the Christ that was buried had stayed in the tomb, He had only known defeat. 
But the way of the cross never stops at the cross, and the way of the tomb leads on to victorious grace in the heavenly place where the risen Lord has gone. The way of the cross leads all the way to heaven where the Savior who died on the cross sat down because he was finished. Let me just give you some good news here today. If you want to know God and you want to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, nothing needs to be done. First of all, you can't do anything to make that happen. The best thing you have to offer to God is not acceptable. We can't give him anything that he wants. We have nothing to offer him. And he's already done everything that needs to be done. So nothing has to happen for you to become a Christian except for you to receive what's already been accomplished. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say, Lord, thank you for doing it all. And I receive your gift as my personal possession. So, what's going on up in heaven and why is everything different? Jesus is seated up there because his work of redemption has been completed. Number two, his ascension exalts him as head over everything. He is in the control seat. Listen to Ephesians 1, 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He is in charge of everything. He went back to heaven and he sat down in the power seat, in the control seat. You say, well, pastor, if he's in control, why are things so bad? He is in control in this sense he has allowed personal human freedom. He has allowed Satan a little time in this world. But ultimately behind it all, he is in control and he is organizing and demonstrating the ultimate goal of the universe, which is in the heart of Almighty God. And while we look around at things that seem like they're totally out of control, they're not in the hand of God. They're in control. He knows where we're going. It's something like this. He's the captain of the ship. And the ship is going to arrive at the right harbor. There's a lot of stuff going on on the ship that we may not like. But the ultimate thing is, the ship is going to get where it goes and where it belongs. I don't know about the rest of you. I take courage in that. There are days when I get up and listen to the news and I'm depressed before noon. Have you ever had that experience? Sometimes my wife turns on the TV early in the morning. And, man, you don't even want to get out of bed. You want to pull the covers back up over your head and stay in bed all day long. And if you look at the world through the eyes of your own humanity, that will be your focus. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord Jesus went back to heaven and he's seated in the power seat and he's in control and you can count on it. When everything needs to happen, he'll be there. Amen. 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 Well, once again, uh, we come to the end of a month of study. Think about that. The Lord has enabled us to share these days in the month of March, talking about our fears and reminding ourselves of what the Scripture says about that, and then in these last days, getting ready for Easter. 
We'll continue our preparation for Easter tomorrow and Friday. But uh, as we end the month of March, I want to thank you for your faithfulness and listening. So many of you have written to request the book on hope. You still have a chance to do that today. If you don't wait any longer, we can honor your request. Thank you for your gift. Uh, when you send your gift today, just ask for the book on hope. It's our March resource, and it will come to you immediately. And uh, then let's get ready for the month of April and the next uh, series of studies as we go forward. And this is quite a commitment we have with each other. I'm here every day. Many of you never miss, whether you're in your car or at your desk at home or wherever you might be. We're grateful for this relationship that we have built over these many years of opening the Scripture together. It is one of my great privileges, and I am grateful for the opportunity you provide for us to teach the Word of God as we do. Don't forget there are study guides and CDs. You can get the study guide for all that we've talked about on the subject of fear. The CDs capture everything I've said and a little bit more that I didn't have time to say on the radio. And these resources are available from davidjeremiah.org. That's our website. If you go there today, you can see these resources and you can actually order them and have them sent to your home. This is a great series for a small group Bible study. You might want to think about that if you're a facilitator for a small group. And then don't forget to be with us next time here on Turning Point. We love you. We thank God for you. It's our privilege to share this time in the Word of God. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special messages for Easter week, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely and encouraging new book, Hope living fearlessly in a scary world. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as Dr. Jeremiah continues his special messages for Easter week right here on Turning Point. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca jsb. The great English man of letters, Samuel Johnson, wrote that babies do not want to hear about babies. 
they like to be told of giants and castles. Well, the Apostle Paul addressed a group of spiritual babes in the church at Corinth, but he didn't pump them up by calling them wonderful and amazing. He told them exactly what they were, spiritual infants who weren't growing in Christ. In the spiritual life, as in real life, we have to crawl, then walk, then run. But if we are still crawling when we should be running, we have to be honest and implement a plan for growth. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's path to maturity on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.